0: Welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. We are having words with Jesus this month. How many have had some words with Jesus outside of this month? Yeah, if we're reading and paying attention, there comes... Times where we have to have some words that doesn't quite fit. But that's a good thing. That means we're still growing. All right, are you ready? Our mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Ooh, you're getting more spirited every week. And our commitment as members of this church is to faithfully participate in the ministries of the church through our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. Amen. It's not one of these things. It's not one and another, right? It's all of these things, all of these things. Do we have room for growth in our faithfulness to the kingdom and to the church? Good, that's our question we're gonna hold on to today. Do we have room for growth in our faithfulness to the church, to the kingdom? So before we read the passage today, it's a mighty confusing passage, and I can tell you I read all sorts of stuff of the various ways people approach this and apply it. But the way we're going to approach it today, I'm going to tell another story that I think will help us. So the story is, there was a thief who stole bread this was in a place long time ago, and he was arrested and was going to be led to the gallows for his crime. And on the way to the gallows, he started talking to the person ushering him there and said, you know, it's a real shame that I'm going to die with this secret that I have, a secret the King would really want to know. And the guy said, well, what's the secret? He said, I'm sorry, I can only tell the king. So the guy looked around and got word to the king. They stopped the execution and brought him before the king. And he said, I can take the seed of a pomegranate. And through a secret, my father told me, make it bear fruit overnight. Well, the king could see all of the ways that that could be highly valuable. And so arranged for the next day for the state officials and the king and everyone to gather to hear of this secret. And so they did the next morning. And so the thief got down and dug a hole in the ground and then held the seed and said, the thing is the seed can only be planted by anyone who has never stolen anything. And I can't, I'm a thief. So here, he said to the man standing next to him and the man said, well, I've been dishonest a time or two in my life. I I can't say that I've never stolen anything. Then to the state officials well I've also not been always honest and then even to the king and the king said well I regret to say I I can't say that I never have either and the thief then looked at the seed and said you were all great and powerful people you want for nothing and yet it is me who was going to be killed because I was hungry well the king admired his cleverness and pardoned him on the spot good story we've heard stories like this before a character using cleverness to make a clear point that can only be made through an example of some sort. So today we're gonna hear a passage, a parable from Jesus It causes great confusion, but if we hold that story of cleverness in our hand, I think it will help. Now, to give a little bit of context to the story and things that we might not see, just reading the words on the page, it was common for landowners to own land in Galilee, but not live on it, not even live anywhere near it. Rome would often tempt the religious leaders in Jerusalem to follow suit with what Rome wanted by taking land from those who owed too many taxes to pay it and giving it to some of those religious leaders as incentive. And so they would then appoint a manager over that land to run it. All the authority of the owner would be given to the manager. So what the manager said, what the manager did was as good as the owner saying it and doing it. And oftentimes that land was then rented out to farmers, oftentimes the farmers from whom the land was taken to then grow crops on it, but then a portion of that went to the landowner and of course went into the manager's pocket as well. And so the amount of oil and wheat that is mentioned in this parable, it's equivalent to multiple years worth of salaries, right? Many, and the amount forgiven is multiple years worth of salaries and value. So with those things in mind, are we ready to hear this passage? All right, let's hear the parable
1: from Jesus. Jesus also said to the disciples, a certain rich man heard that his household manager was wasting his estate. He called the manager in and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give me a report of your administration because you can no longer serve as my manager. The household manager said to himself, What will I do now that my master is firing me as his manager? I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm too proud to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I am removed from my management position, people will welcome me into their houses. One by one, the manager sent for each person who owed his master money. He said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, 900 gallons of olive oil the manager said to him take your contract sit down quickly and write 450 gallons then the manager said to another how much do you owe he said 1 bushels of wheat he said take your contract and write 800. the master commended the dishonest manager because he acted cleverly People who belong to this world are more clever in dealing with their peers than are people who belong to the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to make friends for yourselves so that when it's gone, you will be welcomed into the eternal homes. Whoever is faithful with little is also faithful with much, and the one who is dishonest with little is also dishonest with much. If you haven't been faithful with worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? If you haven't been faithful with someone else's property, who will give you your own? No household servant can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be loyal to the one and have contempt for the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. The word of God in scripture, the word of God, among us the word of God within us thanks be to God
0: all right so holding these two stories of clever people together hear the words one more time at the end of the parable people who belong to this world are more clever in dealing with their peers than our people who belong to the light you may have just kind of skipped right over that when it's kind of a strange saying the thief used his cleverness to earn his pardon The manager used his cleverness and was commended. We don't want to get fixated on the money issue, but that is what Jesus was focused on. But it's more than that for us. It's not about the money itself. It's the ability to be clever with the resources at our disposal. Now, we have many resources at our disposal. Some of it's money, amen? We're used to money. Um, We are to use it like the manager, to be clever. Jesus is lifting up the way that people who belong to the world use money cleverly and then juxtaposing it to people who belong to the light. Wait a second. It was the dishonest manager. Jesus calls him clever. What's that about? Jesus, if you're dishonest, how can you lift them up as clever and tell us to act like this person? Are we supposed to be dishonest? Are we supposed to seek the same commendation is this our example do we have some words for jesus so let's remember the bigger story let's step back a little bit what is happening in the presence of jesus this idea of light is this whole talk about the beginning of a new age or a new day you might be familiar with this it's we use it in our church talk paul calls it the new day in romans 13 and i think that makes sense with this idea of light. The idea is that since the very beginning of all creation itself up into the birth and life of Jesus, that was a day. One day that then started to end with the birth of Jesus and started fully in a way when Jesus was resurrected, but we are still kind of in the darkness, the overlap from the previous day and the new day. And so here we are in the night waiting for the dawning of the new day when all things will be made right. All things will be put back in proper order. Now, we don't know exactly the details, although there are plenty who say they do, but we do know that things will be back in order. We will see creation as good, all of creation. We will be proper managers ourselves over God's creation as God's image bearers. That was always the point. So early Christians understood that while we're in the midst of the darkness, the transition between days, and while the new day has begun and the old day is still there, that they were to live by the light of the new day, no longer the darkness of the old day. The kingdom of God is an entirely new reality ushered in by Jesus Christ. So repenting and accepting of that good news of the light coming, to reorient your life to that coming as Jesus was revealing it now, and accepting it and following it, that is the quest of our faith and growth, amen? So back to the story. Jesus is uplifting how the people of the old day who live in darkness, they know how to be clever. They know how to take care of themselves and secure a future in the old day. The dishonest manager becomes a clever manager because he secured his future for himself. By relieving years and years of debt from the debtors, on behalf of the rich owner, he made the rich owner look like one swell guy. Can you imagine if someone said, half of your debt, just wipe it away. 20%, it's gone. Well, you'd be singing songs of joy, wouldn't you? And no doubt they went and told their neighbors of the glorious thing that had happened. So what's the owner gonna do when he finally gets down from Jerusalem and confronts the manager, fires him, and then finds out what happens? Is he gonna go and say, "Uh, go ahead and double your debt back? and go ahead and add that 20%, you know what a jerk he's going to look like. The manager was quite clever. His changes aren't going to be undone in the society of honor and shame, no way is the owner going to do that. And so his future's secure. Pretty clever, huh? He was a genius, I think. So Jesus is upholding this as an example for us, except we aren't to be clever in that way, being dishonest and living by the standards of the old way. We aren't to secure our future in the way he secures his, in a way you can see and determine for yourself. We are people of the light of the new day, and we want to secure our future as God would define it. We're the first or last, and the last or first. Are we still striving to be first? Although this passage is not solely about money, money is a universal example for us all because whether we have a little or a lot, we all struggle with it. We use money. We understand it on some level. Money is a great tool. Like all great tools, it can be dangerous if you use it incorrectly. Money has the capability of revealing our corruption. I won't say corrupting us. I'll say revealing our corruption. It's so easy for us to be lured By money. Back to living as people of the night. We're comfortable with just about anything being discussed in church unless it's money. Some of you might have said, oh man, I should have skipped this morning. But as soon as I said that word, some of you might have just wished you'd stayed home. Amen? But it's not just money that causes us problems, is it? Are those the resources that cause us problems that we see causing the problems in lives around us? How about our status? How about our blessing that we live in this country where we have so much power and influence and a lot of comfort. We have time. Time at our disposal could be a great tool, but we can waste it. What makes the difference between whether the tool is used greatly or poorly is are we people of the old day or the new? Are we people whose debts have been tossed and are we living into that reality or not? Are we people willing to toss the debt of others or not? What is the reality to which we are oriented in life? Do we live every single day, every single moment, make every single decision in the light of the new day with Jesus Christ as our ruler in the way of the kingdom or something else? Are we clever for God or are we clever for ourselves? Things can get really bad when we're clever for ourselves and think we're being clever for God. How much damage has been done in your life and in the lives of others on that confusion. The true riches and the reality of the new day have nothing to do with money. And we all agree with that. Money's temporary. Amen? True riches are not about satisfying what we want in the moment, urges, and desires. The true riches... And you could nod if you agree, or shake your head if you disagree. The true riches are relationships, family, which grows pretty quickly when you're a part of the church, hope, joy, justice, peace. But these things will always be beyond our reach so long as we strive for the riches of the night. So we're to start small, like children, Learning to do chores. We start small. We've all been given resources and gifts from God. And you may say it's not very much, and that's okay. You may say it's a lot, and you're probably right. We've been entrusted with resources, amen? Is there anything you have that wasn't a gift from God? And if you are thinking, yeah? All right, well, we'll, we'll take it back a little bit. We'll start a little smaller. Everything that you have is a gift from God. You've been made managers of God's resources, God's household, creation, and the church. And maybe you don't feel like you have a great influence over things, but remember from our passage, whoever is faithful with little is also faithful with much. And the one who is dishonest with little is also dishonest with much. If you haven't been faithful with worldly resources, who will trust you with true riches? If you haven't been faithful with someone else's property, who will give you your own? No household servant can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be loyal to the one and have contempt for the other. You cannot serve God and wealth and whatever resources wealth represents. Now, we're people of the good news. Jesus tossed our debt to the old day and revealed us into the life of the new. Amen? It's our good news. Jesus invites us into that light. The dawning of the new day to come, where everything is redefined by the light, not just money and power and influence, but prayers and presents and gifts and service and witness. We need only accept the good news of the new reality to which we are drawn, and then live our, lights by, live our lives by that light. Be faithful with the things that do not belong to you, and then you will be faithful with the things that are your own, and what are the things that are your own your soul, your salvation, your connections, your passion for peace and for God's justice, and your ability to see the face of God and people around you. Those are your own. Those are the true riches. Amen? So use your worldly wealth and resources cleverly, more cleverly than the people of the old age. What might this look like for you? Well, use your God-given cleverness to work that out, to think about it. And as another example that came to light this week, if you've not heard the name, and I know I'm gonna totally butcher it, but Yvonne Kurnard, Kurnard, you heard this name? Have you heard of a company called Patagonia? They make like climbing equipment, Patagonia. Mr. Kurnard was the owner and was listed by Forbes magazine as being a billionaire. Well, he equated that with being called a dirtbag, and I'd love to talk to him about that. So what he did was he took all the shares to his company and he put them in a trust, and all of the profits from now on will go to taking care of the earth. He said, instead of going public, we're going to go purpose, as he announced to the people who work for him. And no longer is he gonna make any money off of that as he continues to drive his beat up Subaru with very little money at all in his savings account. He is being clever. We use that as our inspiration this week and go look up Patagonia and look up this story. It's quite the story, but let us let Jesus redefine our lives. Amen. Amen. We thank you for joining us today, and it is our hope that you have experienced the blessing of God through our time together like to know more about our church community and its ministries, visit our website at sellersburgumc.com.